All right, guys, let's get into today. In our, in our video, you saw some of our staff, and they were enjoying their guilty pleasure songs. And today I want to talk about guilty pleasures, all right? I want to talk about those things that are a little bit ah, guilty in our lives at times. And when it comes to a guilty pleasure, it's something such as a movie, a television program, or maybe even a piece of music that one enjoys despite feeling that it's not generally held in high regard. That's what a guilty pleasure is. And every one of us in this room, we all have those guilty pleasures. For me, I couldn't really think of my music as guilty pleasures because the music I like is awesome. <laughs> Everybody loves the music I like, right? No. But what I got to thinking about with me, guilty pleasures, is this. And this is something you've probably never heard come out of my mouth, but I'm going to be really open. And in the first service, Amy was able to attest to it. I like chick flicks. <laughs> I do. I do. No, I will fight you if you try to take my man card. <laughs> but but I, like, I like chick flicks. And maybe, maybe that's why I wear the wallet with the chain. I'm compensating. Maybe that's why I ride the motorcycle and wear black most of the time because I'm compensating because, frankly, to be honest, I love a good chick flick. I mean, when it comes down to it, Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey, thank you. Because you taught me how to lose a guy in 10 days. I, I, I so appreciate that, you know. I do, I do. You know, when it, when it comes down to it, Sandra Bullock. Oh, my goodness, what have we learned, you know, from Sandra Bullock, you know. We learned how to love while you were sleeping. We did. We did. And I, and I, know, I know you guys are like, Ross is a friendly guy. He's just so, yes, because I love Miss Congeniality. That movie taught me how to be friendly and to be okay with the fact that I'm a klutz. I stumble and I trip and, and look glorious while doing it, you know? And then, oh my gosh, when it comes down to it, don't get me started. Julia Roberts. Does it get much better than that? Come on, girlfriends. Does it get much better than that? Pretty woman. Oh my word. My best friend's wedding. Come on. Academy Award. I mean, come on. Should have been, right? And still Magnolias. There's nothing else I can, I can say. Whew, still Magnolias. Shelby. Oh, okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. All right. So I know you did not know that about your pastor. Now, here's the thing. I balance it out. You know how I balance it out? My other guilty pleasure since I was a little boy is I love mobsters. I love gangs. I love gangsters. I love the idea of I want to be a gangster like my whole growing up. I just didn't want to do the crime. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, oh, I want to wear the suit. I want to talk like that. And, and then I got to thinking about that. It's like I don't want to do the bad stuff. Crud, I'm a girl. <laughs> I'll just keep watching my chick flicks, you know. <laughs> but no, how many have some guilty pleasures in here? Some things that some people might go, ah, whatever, you know. And, um, but here's the thing. Some of those guilty pleasures are some things that I think can at times pull us away from the things of God if we're not careful, right? I want you to open your Bibles, if you will. Open your Bibles over to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and stand to your feet. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 1 through 5, and we're just going to get started today in our, in our talk. Um, and so in the Word of God, we're going to see something here. It says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. I don't know about you guys. We live in some difficult times, don't we? We live in some tough days 
that we express our lives in, you know? And, and in those difficult times, there's always so many options nowadays to be able to get yourself in trouble. There's so many opportunities, so many guilty pleasures, that it's just not hard to find something. You know what I'm saying? It'll cause you at times to miss maybe God's best for you, you know? But let's just continue what the Word says. It says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, that's heavy, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Now, you ready for this? This is kind of our catch right here. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Let me, let me stop there. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, I don't want you to think that today I'm going to list this whole big huge list of things not to do. Okay, because that's not what today's about. I don't want to talk today about behavioral modification, about what does it take. If you do these things, now you're a good boy, and if you don't do these things, you're bad, and if you, you can do the list, you're a good girl, and if you don't do the you're bad, and mm -mm. that's not what I want to talk about today. <laughs> that's not what I want to talk about at all. What I want to talk about here, watch this, it says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. And what it says here, it says, avoid such people. Guess what? I am that people. Are you? I mean, when you read the list, there's things in there. Yeah, there's guilty pleasures. There's things I, I go after at times that causes in my life me to miss God's best. There's things I go after in my life that causes me at times to deny the power of God in my life. Number one, maybe the power of God to change my life, you know. But number two, how many know that God intends for you to be one of the most powerful agents in the earth at any given point in time? You are the church of Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, and God has an intention that his power would be evident in you. And so here it says this idea of lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying his power. And it says, avoid such people. Sit down. I'm going to avoid you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. No, go ahead and sit. Have your seat. So as you're see taking your seat, this idea is a, 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 a challenge between guilty pleasures and some of our guilty pleasures, if we're not careful, they take us further than they need to take us, and they rob us from godly pursuit. Everybody say guilty pleasures. Godly pursuit. Say godly pursuit. And so what I want to do today is I'm going to throw a few things up here on the board that are just some of those common things that we think of that can be taken advantage of. It can be something that, 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 that can be used in extreme, and next thing you know, it starts to take more from us than we ever wanted or ever decided or ever thought possible. And again, as we finish today, you're going to understand this is not a sermon of condemnation. Amen? There is therefore now condemn no condemnation to those who walk after the Spirit. This is a sermon that's given us a pathway. It's a sermon that's showing us that God has a best plan for us and that we can walk toward the plan that he has. And so when it comes down to it, you know, there's some things. Let's put up here on the board. I don't ever use this whiteboard. I'm excited about this. Or clear board, as it is. And so up here on the board, I want to put a few things here on the left side that at times in our culture are guilty pleasures, you know. Guilty pleasures. Like 
sweet tea. Please, nobody take a picture of this and send it to my mama. Okay, because she will kill me. But there's guilty pleasures, and I'm just going to put it up there. Now, listen, I'm one of those kinds of guys that I, I, one time I tried to make a case. You shouldn't drink. I was raised, how many was raised in a church that it was like, if you drink, you're going to hell? Yes. And so I went to preach a sermon on that about a decade ago, and I wasn't able to preach the sermon. I did all my preparation, and it was like, if you drink, it's not a great decision. <laughs> if you drink, there could be some consequences. If you drink, and there's issues with addiction, it could lead you, you could be passed out somewhere, you know. But to say the Bible says don't ever drink, I just couldn't find that there, you know. Okay, so when it comes down to it, though, in our culture, doesn't this bring a lot of issues? Doesn't it? Be honest. At times, alcohol brings a lot of issues. And we'll talk about this today as we're going forward, but, but this is just a list. It's a list. And, and sometimes it's easy to look at that. Oh, man, the stuff. I don't smoke, drink, cuss, or chew. And I don't date girls who do. <laughs> well, I did, but Amy, you know, we got her cleaned up. <laughs> yes, we did. Hallelujah. But when it comes down to it, let's put this one up here, okay? Um, selfishness. 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 I mean, just putting myself before anyone else. I, I come first, period, in life. Man, that is something that, that it may not sound like I'm seeking my own pleasure. Or my, but no, no, I want this, so I'm going to have this. I desire this, so I'm going to do this. It's a selfishness at times that drives us. How about, how about this one? How about this? This is wonderful. Gossip. Gossip. I don't think of that as something that brings a guilty pleasure, but it sure does, you know. Feeling this tension where I've got to elevate myself, and it's an easy way to, for me to find some, some pleasure, to get a little dopamine drop, right? Because we're all chasing dopamine. And so it's an easy way for me to say, Amy girl, do you know what? You, yeah. Oh my gosh, Kelly wore blue jeans on the front row that had holes in them. Woo! I like those jeans, they're cool. <laughs> Oh, my word, you know. Man, her jeans are holy, but she sure isn't. <laughs> right? Good night. And so this idea of gossip, you know, can be something to where now you're chasing after it. It becomes your dopamine fix. It becomes what drives your pleasure center. Is I've got to have the juiciest thing and drop it. And that may not happen in the, in the real world. That may just happen on Facebook. But i got to get the juice and i got to drop the juice. Because now I feel really good. Same way with selfishness, same way with alcohol. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is to get that fix in your mix, right? I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And so you might have that. You might have gossip. Well, how about this one? Now, this one here I'm going to write, and, and it's one of those things where I was raised, you know, this was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my word. If this is in your life, smoking, mm, you are for sure going to hell if you smoke. And I was raised that way. How many, again, how many was raised that way? Now, listen, it was the idea of this. Don't you think you're going to go into a movie theater and go to heaven if the rapture comes? I mean, that was, it was like that mindset. And then it was the idea of don't you think you're going to inhale? Where are you going to exhale when the rapture comes? Because I'm telling you, you're not going to exhale in heaven. Mm -mm. You're going to go throughout all eternity. And you know what? You might be like that in heaven. 
Because you ain't exhaling, but I know me. I'm going to be praising my Jesus. I'm going to be lifting up my voice to the Lord. I'm going to be declaring him good all the time because I'm holy like that. But you, you're just going to be. <laughs> really? So here's the thing. I heard it said one time, smoking won't send you to hell. You'll just smell like you've been there, right? You've, that's old. You've heard that before. But again, that is a guilty pleasure. And you may go, okay, preacher. What about this? And you're absolutely right, overeating. Man, that could be something that brings a dopamine drop just like anything else that just triggers the pleasure centers, you know? Come on, barito. Venga aquí. Ahorita. Come here now, right now. <laughs> you know? Mm, right? No, no, but that, that can be something. So, so overeating can be that. How about this one? And this one I, I hate to write, but I'm going to write it, and I'll tell you why. Because I've struggled with this one before. Lust. Porn. Every man in here at some point in his life struggled with lust. It may not have went to porn, but I'm just saying lust. I mean, as a teenager, oh my goodness, I'm thinking to myself, how in the world will this ever be broken? I'll get married and it'll be fixed. No. It's not, you know. And so it's one, and then I went to a Christian school in high school. In my mind, I never understood that. In Christian schools, if you're holy girls, you're going to wear dresses. Never got that. I'm just being really open and really honest. As a teenage boy in a Christian school, I was like, thank you, Jesus, for dresses. <laughs> just being honest. It would have been a lot more holy if they had to put jeans on them legs, you know. <laughs> am I, am I, if I'm lying, I'm dying, okay? I'm just being honest. So as a, as a teenager, oh my goodness, you know? And that's one of those things where you're continually to submit it to Christ throughout those years, you know? Guess what? Can I be really honest? 23 years of marriage later, I still have to submit that to Christ. I don't know if I've ever said that from this platform, but it needs to be said. It needs to be said. Guys, those are guilty pleasures that if we're not careful, as real as this can put you in a ditch, it can put your marriage in a ditch. As real as this can break you up against a tree, it can bring a crushing blow to your family that they'll never recover from. And so those are those guilty pleasures that's easy for us to think about. It's easy for us to go, hey, that's the list. That's the list. But again, this isn't about defining the list and let's not do the list. That's not what the sermon's about. It's not about just behavioral modification. And I'm going to really try hard to be a good boy. I'm going to try really hard not to be selfish. I'm going to try really hard with self-control. I'm going I'm to be a good boy. I'm going to be a good girl. No, that's, that's not what this sermon is about at all. In James 5.5, 5, it says this. Watch. You have spent your years on earth. He already choked. No, it's a choke, choke, choke. Oh, choke, choke. Oh, choke. I'm deaf. All right. If I have that on and it's not working, my ADD will constantly be like, oh, it's on me. It's not working. I'll, be, I'll have an issue. So, all right. Let me say that again. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. Another translation says, satisfying your every whim. Watch, you have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. That's where we have to be careful. Guys, 
This right here, if we're not careful, will fatten us, these on this side, to a day of slaughter, to a day of destruction, to a day where a relationship can be ruined, to a day where our bodies are not healthy, to a day, whatever it is, that whole on every whim, I just do what I want. If that's the case, it can create in us a potential for destruction, and that's never been God's intent. And so on one side, you have what we call uh, guilty pleasures on this side. On the other side, we would have what we would call godly pursuit. Everybody say godly pursuit. When it comes to the idea of godly pursuit, the Lord gave me a word a few weeks ago, and the word was centered in my heart where I am calling you to a season of personal revival. I'm calling you to a season of personal revival. And on our staff, I told them I'm calling them to a season of personal revival. I feel like the Lord says, yesterday we had our leadership summit. And in the leadership summit, we told them the same thing that we wanted God is saying to us to go into a season of personal revival. This idea of seeking God. This idea of, God, what are you going to do in my life? What changes do you want to make in my life? It's not about a list of rules. It's about his heart. God, I just want you. Can we close our eyes for a second and just say that? Say, God, I just want you. God, I just want to press into you. Yes, Lord. This season of personal revival. And last week as we looked at the subject of the mixtape and we talked about the song of redemption, we looked to the story of Moses and how he brought the Israelites out and we saw that they had a song of redemption that they sung. And then we saw how Moses in Deuteronomy 32, the whole thing is a song of redemption from Moses. Moses was a man who had made a choice to go into pursuit of God and of what God wanted for his life. Moses was a man that had struggles. He was. He was a guy who, who, who stuttered and stammered and said, God, I don't speak. Well, how can you use me? And God made a means for him to be used. All he had to do was just put himself out there, pursue God and pursue God's purpose. And he, he, God, they'll never trust me. They'll never believe that I've been sent by you. Here's a staff. Here's something that you need, and I will use it to prove what needs to be proven? God wants to place something in your hand, wants something in your life that will prove who he is. That powerful, remember we said earlier, denying the power of God? No, no, that powerful God that cannot be denied in your life. But what did that look like in Moses? What did that look like with him? Watch. Verse 24, Hebrews 11, chapter 20, verse, chapter 20, ah, chapter 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Oh, I love that. We've got to stop right here. By faith. By faith. Let's say by faith. by faith. This wasn't a man that within his own strength could do anything. Full of doubt. Full of fear. Full of questioning. But by faith, he made a choice to pursue God and the purpose of God. And what that looked like was this. When he grew up, he had refused to be known as Pharaoh's child or the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That daughter of Pharaoh had raised him as her own. And now he wants to be identified as a child of God. He doesn't want to be identified with the sin. He doesn't want to be identified with the world. He doesn't want to be identified with the oppressor. He wants to be identified with the victorious side, with what God wanted to do. And he chose this life. He chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy ready for this to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin is that wild the guilty pleasures the fleeting pleasures of sin and he couldn't do it on his own it was by faith it was in pursuit of God and God did it God split the Red Sea amen 
God provided the manna in the desert. God did everything. He just kept in pursuit of God. And he messed up a bunch, but he continued in pursuit of God. It goes on. He considered this. He said, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. There was something in the things of God that he knew he had to have his hands on. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. We see this man that's taking steps by faith to pursue what God is calling him to pursue. And he's looking at everything else as less. He's looking at everything else as having and holding something that is inferior to what God is offering. Inferior to what God is laying out before him. And a lot of times in life, I think that we understand that. We know that these things in excess leads to, to lack, and we understand that. But we don't look at it in such a way to where, no, no, that's a guilty pleasure. I have a choice. I can go guilty pleasure or I can go godly pursuit. I can seek the things of God. And so let me, let me throw out some opposites here, all right? So on alcohol, let's just throw out the word moderation, all right? Moderation. Again, I was raised up growing up. When it came to alcohol, you just don't touch it, you know? But I understand. I, do I feel that it's wrong to, in your life, have a glass of wine with your wife? Okay? All right? I don't see that in Scripture as wrong. But guess what? Out of moderation, you go from having a glass of wine with your wife, and if you get too much, you may have a glass of wine with somebody else's wife. You know? Just being honest. Over time. It's not something that happens quickly. It's something that happens over time. So be mindful of that. And, and the Bible really, though likens it this way it says it says don't be drunk it says be filled with the holy spirit isn't that awesome so spirit filled living that's what god has for us in other words you know what i feel that i have no courage and in the moment if i can just get a little jack in me i can then in that moment have some courage guess what that's the job of the holy spirit I feel like I have no peace. And if I can just get a little Hennessy in me, then I'll be able to have some peace. Or if I can get a little six-pack in me tonight, then I'll be able to have some rest. He is the Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. You see what I'm saying? And so a lot of times what happens is in pursuing the guilty pleasure, we're robbing ourselves from the godly pursuit that leads to the real lasting goodness that God has promised for us. Again, I don't want to just point out a list of sins. You know, well, let's look at selfishness. What's the opposite? How about selflessness? Selflessness. Isn't that beautiful? To live a life selfless. Now, here's the thing. In a marriage, if you're living selfish, and this is your guilty pursuit, and you're constantly selfish, 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 there's a name for people that live in their marriage like that over time. You know what that is called? A divorcee. I'm serious. That root of selfishness has got to be worked out in our lives. And godly pursuit leads us to selflessness. When you realize what God has done for you, and you begin to love your wife as Christ loves the church... Man, that selflessness breeds a strong bond that keeps you together. And Amy, when it comes to in the morning, going, hey, God, what can I do in Ross's life 
not my will, but what, what, what can I do to help Russ? In the same way, vice versa, where I'm waking up going, okay, God, I know what I want, but God, what would be a help to her? As we both live that way, it brings this abundance of, of life, you know? Gossip. Mm, you know, I mean, Kelly, mm, you know. When it comes down to it, what, what if truly you turned godly pursuit, you feel that, but you turn it into true intercession? In other words, you go to God and you talk about the person to God, not to somebody else. And then God begins to do a work in your heart and maybe even gives you a word and you go back to that person. And you know what I think God is telling me that you need to know? And that God's preparing their heart to hear it. And you're speaking to that person, not just going, mm, you'll never guess what happened. And getting that quick dopamine drop. We can see here in that Hebrews passage that a destroyer waits for that. But like Moses pursuing God, man, he just didn't take no thought of that. He's moving forward in what God has and away from Egypt the best he possibly can. When it comes to the idea of smoking, your body is a temple of God. You know, it's one of those things where God may put his finger on that and say, it's time for this to get broken in your life, you know. And you give that up to the Lord. And that's a hard one to give up to the Lord, you know. Can, can you still go to heaven if you smoke? Yes. I'm not judging you on that. Will you get to heaven quicker? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly, you know. The same way with overeating. Self-control. Self-control. That's a blessing from the Lord. That's the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know if you know that. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. God, I don't want to rob you of your fruit in my life. Continue to work self-control in me. And then that final thing with lust, you know, and porn. Guess what sex is? And all God's people in the house can give God a big shout of praise. Sex is a gift. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. It's a gift. And it brings honor. When it's in the right timing of the Lord. In Ecclesiastes, it talks about a season, a time for everything. And then it says that God makes all things beautiful in its time. And guess what? Sex inside the, the bonds of marriage is a beautiful thing. There's enough people in this room you'll attest to sex outside the marriage. Man, when you think about it right now and you're broke up with that person, you'll say it's not a beautiful thing. It bound my heart. It did things to me that I didn't expect. Some folk carrying stuff that they will never get rid of. Literally. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of people that are in that situation. And when you're in the situation, it's wonderful. I know because it feels great. But outside the situation, most people will say, I wish I wouldn't have given my heart to that person. I wish I wouldn't have allowed them to have had me. I wish this, I wish that. Does that make sense? And so when it comes down to it, it's a gift. But the enemy just loves to destroy. So here's the thing about this. When it comes down, this is not a sermon, a warning, if you will, against behavioral modification. I want you to hear something. I love this. God loves you as you are, not as you should be. you got to hear me say that again, guys. Brennan Manning, one of my favorite writers, he said that. He said, God loves you as you are, not as you should be. So what that means is, I don't care how drunk you are, God won't love you any more or any less. I don't care how moderate you are, God won't love you any more or any less. I don't care how many people you give yourself or how much porn you watch, guess what? God won't love you any more or any less. Guess what? God won't pursue you any more or any less if it comes down to any of these things up here. God is in pursuit of you. 
That's that mixtape, that message of love, that, that, that thing, that person that gave the tape was in pursuit of that other person. God is in pursuit of you, and he will not love you any more or any less. Who you are is who you are, and he loves you just as you are. But watch this. I'm not talking about God's pursuit of you. I'm talking about your pursuit of him. Amen? So this isn't a message of condemnation. Don't you leave here saying, man, pastor, put a list of rules and regulations up on the board and then use it to just beat us up with. I love you, you, you hormoning, drunk, selfish, overeating addict. I love you. I'm serious. And I hope you can see that in your pastor as far as there will never be a look on my face at you and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you did that been told everything and I've been told here's the thing I've been told everything by people who never changed and I see the mess they're still in and I've been told everything by people whose lives oh my gosh were a train wreck and I see what they're walking in now and I'm just like oh my lord and it wasn't because God started to pursue them no it's because they started to pursue God man that's good I Cheers. <laughs> Woo! Is that awesome? I worried about this sermon all week long. I'll be honest. I did. I just, God, I want our people to realize that you love us as we are, but not enough to, to leave us there. But you love us just as we are, whether we come towards you or not. And, man, my worry was just that we would get the picture of that. So I'm not talking about God's pursuit of you. I'm talking about your pursuit of God. And here's the thing about it. This is real. And there's some, some issues that come into play with this. In John 10.10, it can't be any clearer than John 10.10. What it tells us is this. Over here, the enemy loves to steal, kill, and destroy. Doesn't he? That's what he does. He's the Pharaoh. He wants to keep you in bondage. It's Egypt, wants to keep you a slave, just getting just enough to get by. That's all you deserve is just enough to get by. I'm sorry. I believe God's moving the people of Momentum Church into a season of victory, a season of miracles, a season of growth, a season of revival, a season where you're not just having to get by. You're not called to live in Egypt. God's called you to live in something higher and better. Amen? And that's what it says in 1010 on the other side of that verse. It says, and Jesus came. Say, Jesus came to give life and to make life abundant. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Same God. Same God still pursuing you, whether you're on either side of that. But in your heart and in your mind, you have a choice. Every day, God, am I going to pursue you? And here's the thing. We have a problem in our life when our pursuit of pleasure overtakes our pursuit of God. And I'm going to be honest. I'm in the same boat. There's sometimes so many diverse things, like we said earlier, so many options, like we said earlier. I mean, good night. For me, it might not be Hennessy and, and, and Johnny Walker Black and, and, and whatever it might be. No, for me, I'm going to be honest, it's Netflix and Hulu and um, what's the other one? Yeah, I was going to say, the people that own everything now. Yeah, Amazon. Amazon Prime. And, you know, it's easy just to get lost in pleasure. Dopamine drop, dopamine drop, another episode, another show, another video, another this, another that. Is it sin? No. 
but it's robbing me if I let it from God's best at times in my life. And so the same way, we have a problem when our pursuit of pleasure overtakes our pursuit of God. And listen, God is not a cosmic killjoy. I don't know about you, but living spirit-filled, I mean, having the Holy Spirit in our life with power, that's awesome. You know? The fruit that comes from selflessness is not a killjoy. It's awesome. It's incredible. Man, intercession, being the temple of God, all those things, that's good stuff. He's not a cosmic killjoy. So when it comes down to it, God has this plan that we walk in when we pursue him. And we miss when we pursue our own pleasures that are not what he's leading us to. Let me just talk about a couple things we're going to end. When it comes about sex, let's talk about that. Is God against sex? No. It is what? A gift. Hallelujah. That's what it is. Five children. I'm happy about it. Once you have five children, you don't have any more. Because they'd never leave you alone. Okay? I'm serious. But it's a gift. But here's the thing. It can be a guilty pleasure if we're not careful that can be used and abused by the enemy in our lives. It's a gift. But what if, what if something's introduced into it? I, I'm going to give you a real-life story. In Ohio, I had somebody that worked for me. And there was a female, and the person and her husband decided their sex life after about 15 years of marriage just wasn't spicy enough. And so you know what? I mean, the Bible says what is in the marriage, married, married bed of the, of the righteous is undefiled. So we're choosing this together, and it's okay. And so they introduced a little porn together just to spice things up. Well, that led to a lot of porn. That led to them not even being able to have intimacy without porn. And that led to a point where an illicit appetite that was never something she had. He did, but she didn't. And it rose up in her this illicit appetite for, for, for sex outside her marriage. And the thing with it, when he came bawling to us, it was one of those things to where he said, I can't believe I introduced this to my family. It was something I had secret in my life, and I duped my wife into taking a look at it with me. And now she left, this is a decade and a half ago, left him for another man, left the family, left the marriage, and he goes, I did that to my I stirred in her interest that was never even something that she had, and I stirred in that in her. Okay. It, it, went, it went so far that it stilled and killed and destroyed their marriage. To this day, they're not married. They both went on, and she went on, and she went on again. I believe she went on a third time. Drink, what, about, what about drinking, you know? What about that idea of, I'm just having a beer with a friend. You know, I'm not going to judge you on that. You know, I'm just having a shot with a guy at work. I'm not going to judge you on that. Is all right? All right? I'm just, I'm just not going to judge you on that. You know? But what happens? Some folk, they're not one and done or two and through. They're three and free and four and falling out the door. You know? I don't know what that level is in your life. You know? But here's the thing about that. If it gets to a point where I cannot even enjoy a good time with friends unless I'm half inebriated, Something's wrong. I can't experience intimacy with my spouse without having at least a couple, two, three glasses of wine. Something, something's wrong. That usually will end up leading to where now I've got to have more. Or, or, or I can't just have one. I've got to have three, four, five shots. I, then it gets to where, you know what? I feel so much better about myself when I do this. Now I'm alone. And nobody's even around. And I'm over drinking. Does that make sense? 
It was never the plan. It's just what happens, you know. And it, and it breaks my heart. A true life story. Just recently, I was with a young woman, and she told the people, it was a business environment that I was in, she told the people we were with that she can't drink because she had tuberculosis, caught it through a clinic, and she was in treatment for it. It's latent, and the medicine's a three-year plan, and in the three years of the plan of this medicine, um, you can't drink alcohol because the body can't metabolize the alcohol and the medicine at the same time, and it robs you of the benefit of the medicine as you drink the alcohol. So I'm with these people for two days in a business-type thing, environment, and with that, I'm just blown away because they just keep offering this poor girl drink after drink and laughing and going up to the bar and coming back. <laughs> and they're just laughing it up. And the next day, she'd only been working for a couple weeks, and the next day, right there with me in present, she says, if I keep doing this with you guys, I'm going to end up dying. And guys, I'm not lying. A couple hours later, one of them comes up and brings another drink. drink. And, just, and, just, and she's, she's, she's just right back at it. And I couldn't in good conscience leave. I didn't know these people. I couldn't in good conscience leave that. And I had to sit there and say, guys, listen, she's told you that this is going to hurt her. And you're laughing it up. And, and I just had the conversation with them. You've got to help her. You can't do this to her. She was in her mid-20s, impressionable. But that's what you do. That's what this business does. Did morning or lunchtime meetings, evening time meetings. Every time they have meetings, they're dropping it back hard, you know. And she just was jumping in. That girl's going to die. Here's the thing about that. You can't defeat the demons you enjoy playing with. Okay. So some of this stuff is demonic. Some of this stuff is the trick of the enemy. Some of this stuff, the devil's taking you down a, 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 a rabbit hole, you know. And some of it, it's laughed at and Ha, ha, ha. No big deal. And it's a big deal. And it's not a big deal because God's going to stop pursuing you. It's a big deal because you're not pursuing him. And this side of the column, he, the enemy steals, kills, and destroys. And this side of the column, he brings life. Jesus does. And he makes life abundant. It's pretty clear. There's a beautiful benefit to godly pursuit. And there's a pain associated with guilty pleasures. When God puts his thumb on that guilty pleasure, you've got to walk away from that. There are things in a believer's life that should begin, and there are things that should end in a believer's life. But both start with our hearts turned in pursuit of God. I believe as a Christian, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. And that means I have to say, God, can this does this need to end in my life? God, does this need to begin? Is there something I need to do in my life? And when he puts his thumb on it, as a believer, I respond. Now, I may struggle in that response. That's what's beautiful. That's why you need somebody not to be gossiping about you, but coming and having intercession for you. That's when you need somebody to come and help you, because you may be struggling with self-control. That's when you need that. Amen? And that's a beautiful thing that the church does in each other's lives. But I'm telling you right now, as a Christ follower, Christians develop to look more like Jesus. And we struggle to do that when we embrace fully those guilty pleasures without a sense of pursuing God. He doesn't love you any less, but he's giving you a, a chance to pursue the things of him. In Philippians, and we'll close with this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 through 9. It says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you see that? It's not, 
I count it all loss so I can get on God's good side. I count it all loss. I put all that stuff aside so that I can look good, look right for the church. No, I count that all loss so that I can just know Jesus. That godly pursuit is all about relationships so I can know Him. And the Bible will say to know Him in the power of His righteousness. That's what He has for you. It says, for his sake I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. That would be the list. Look how good I'm doing the list. I'm a good boy. That's the list. No, no, not like that, not like the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. God, I'm in pursuit of you. There's times I'm a mess, but I'm not quitting. I'm in pursuit of you. Change me. Do a work in me. Create in me that heart you desire. Let me be the husband you want me to be, the father you want me to be, pastor you want me to be. I don't know what your prayer is, but when it comes to the idea of counting, it says here that he counts all these things as lost. To count means this. I'm reconciling these things as lesser things that pale in comparison to God and what God has to offer me. So I look at those things that God puts his thumb on in my life, and I say, you know what? Rubbish, 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 rubbish. I count those things. I reconcile those things as lost, as not holding the appeal that what God has for me is laid out before me as I pursue him. I like how it says it in a different version. It says, I count everything as lost compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Is that good? Don't be satisfied with any substitute, even if that substitute has pretty long brown hair, even if that substitute tastes like silk. even if that substitute gives you a quicker dopamine drop in you than anything else. Can I just be really open and honest with you guys? You may have to work a little bit to get a dopamine drop to take place when it comes with your family, when it comes with your wife, when it comes with your husband. A lot of times those guilty pleasures, they bring that quick, whatever it might be. Can I tell you, it's worth the work, it's worth the pursuit to walk on the abundant life side of this diagram. It says, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequal. Pull me a little closer, we sang earlier today. Take me a little deeper. I want to know your heart, we sang. I love this, you know. Watch what it says here. Because your love is so much sweeter than anything I've tasted. Amen? Anything. So much sweeter than anything I've tasted. I want to know, I want to know your heart. In other words, I want to be in pursuit of you. And then it goes on in that song, how great your love is for me. Can you close your eyes for a moment? Jesus, right now, we thank you that we have options in our lives. You've given us free will. 
that we can look to you and pursue you, or, Lord God, we can be satisfied with lesser things. Lord, help put your thumb on the things in our life that are keeping us from being in pursuit of you. Thank you that when you put your thumb on that, that you strengthen us to move closer to the things that you have for us and to walk in that abundance of life. Lord, I recognize that as a, as a, as a, a byproduct of you pursuing us. You don't pursue us and hold back your grace. You don't pursue us and hold back your strength. You don't pursue us and hold back your victory and your mercy. Lord, when you pursue us, you come with all that you have. And we thank you for that, Jesus. And so we today choose to receive from you all that you have, that abundance of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.